Welcome back to Second Look. This episode was recorded a week before the 2020 presidential election. Pastor George talks with 2PC member Brandon Morrison and Rufus Smith, senior pastor at Hope Church, about a Christian's calling in an election year and in the everyday. Good afternoon, everybody, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. I am blessed this uh, this day to be with two very dear friends, uh, Brandon Morrison and Rufus Smith. Brandon is the um, chair pro tem or the vice chair of the Shelby County Commission. He represents uh, District 3. Isn't that right? 13. 13. There's a three in it, but 13. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and is a deacon at Second Presbyterian and leader in this community and uh, on many boards and uh, very grateful for you joining us today, Brandon. And Rufus is senior pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church, sister church to Second Pres in our denomination, the EPC, and the founding director of Memphis Christian Pastors Network, also significant leader in this city. And as I often say, my bishop, we don't have bishops in the Presbyterian Church, but <laughs> if we did, uh, you would be he. We are recording today, just a few days before the national election. And but this is not going to air until if you're listening to this and the Lord hasn't come. Maranatha, please come, Lord Jesus. But if he hasn't come until after the the election, uh, this is when you're hearing this. And I, I've done this strategically because I know the two of you to be so profoundly rooted in the gospel and in the doctrine of God's sovereign grace that <clears throat> I know that uh, your perspective on history and the world, the Lord's purposes will be the same after the election as it is today. And I, I, I want that for our people. Uh, it's uh, I, 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 the people we all lead, the three of us lead uh, and, the, and uh, we, we shepherd. Uh, we know that people are going to, some people are going to need consolation after uh, today, other people are going to need exhortation uh, to be humble, but all of us uh, need a, a, a kingdom perspective that the kingdom of God is going forward regardless of national politics. And and uh, the two of you, I, I, I follow your example and your leadership in this city, the things you're involved in and bringing peace, shalom, healing, uh, uh, all aspects of, of the good news that Jesus mentioned. You're, you're involved in that. I, I learned from you in that and, and we'll be doing that. Those same things after the election, as we're doing now, that, that work will continue on. <clears throat> so, Want to have a conversation with you and ask you to speak into uh, where people are and and remind them of the gospel and what we can 
continue doing as Christians who are living out our faith in the world? Brandon, I want to start with you and you have, you've served in a lot of ways in this city. You've been on the boards of uh, many of our institutions in the city from, from the zoo to uh, foundations uh, to our own foundation at Second Press. Uh, you've been a business leader. You are a business leader, but you ran for public office. Uh, and uh, why in the world would you do that? This is a time you could start kicking back. You got your kids out of the nest. Uh, this should be a time you're sailing around in the Caribbean or something, but you ran for public office. Tell Tell us why you decided to do that. Okay. Well, I, I believe we all have the, a vocation or a calling, and I never guessed mine might be in this direction for a short period of time, but um, I really truly feel like I had the Luke 12 uh, parable had, have been given many opportunities and um, just looking at the future for our community and my own children and hopefully one day grandchildren, I felt called just to um, be a Christ follower in the public space for a period of time. And you, you have, um, I was privileged to, I've been privileged to sit on a couple of commission meetings and, uh, uh, and I, I heard it in person. I've, I've read it in print that you're, Respected on both sides of the aisle, you've probably taken slings and arrows for that. But uh, what what is it that guides you to to cooperate, even with those who are in a different political party, or even within your your own party, and you have different views otherwise? But you you've cooperated on things like public transportation mm-hmm. for the public good. What what guides you in in that kind of that uh, kind of cooperative uh, leadership? Um, Well, I guess my policy positions are not, uh, I I look for the common good, what's good for everybody, but also I guess um, uh, I'm not perfectly aligned with either party, I would have to say, at all times. Um, uh, Because I, I think when you, when you study public policy and what's going to be best for our people and in, in as a Christian, you want to make sure it's um, coherent with God's word or consistent with God's word. And that also it um, lifts up our poor, whatever the policy is. Um, those are the two main things. Uh, and that it moves us forward as a community uh on the civil level too, I guess. So with civility. So um, in the the transportation issue, that's been a tricky one, but because it's so tricky to find the funding, some states have um, uh, sales tax, but we've used ours up as of now. We, we just spent the last bit on um, preschool, which is also important. Uh, and I'm simply trying to find a source for um for public transit, and and that's been difficult um, on the commission right now because the right doesn't want to pay more taxes, and um, uh, 
you know, I think I'm not for paying more taxes just to pay them, but uh, it, it, I just believe if we can't find another source, perhaps we need to look harder. Now, you uh, you said something interesting there that you you uh, you don't find yourself perfectly aligned with either party. Um, is that a is that a Christian position? Should is is that uh, that that's probably the way every Christian should find himself herself. Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I guess I, um, I think in other words, what followed you, Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said, so I, you said, uh, so what is it that you want to be perfectly aligned with? You've already spoken to it in part. Obedience to God's word would be what, be what we want to be perfectly aligned with. Um, as we pray and seek his guidance, um, and that's what I try to do, though not perfectly either. <laughs> so, um, you said uh, as well that uh, you want to be guided by what's good for the city and and what lifts up the poor. Uh, some people say that's social gospel, that's socialism, that's Marxism. What no. what is the what is the gospel for you? Well, the gospel. The gospel for me personally is that Jesus died for me and um, and he wants me to bring others along with me as a believer to his kingdom one day. So I guess in that question, my answer would be I want people to see um, by the way I live and by the um, actions I take and the words I use that I follow him and therefore that they would be drawn to him. So that would be the goal, um, really, of, um, of whether it's in the public space or just in conversation um, with my friends. <coughs> that's our, I think that's my goal or calling. So why the poor? Because he, asks, he commands us um, in his word um, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that the poor are going to be among us, and he commands us to uh, give special attention to them. Uh, thank you so much. I, uh, of course, I knew the answer to your questions, but I <laughs> these questions. I, I, but I love hearing you say it. I love the way um, that you're doing this ahead of the election because I agree that all of us need to be encouraged by each other. And it's encouraging to me um, just to remember that God's in control. And um, there's a verse that I read in World Magazine recently that has, has stuck with me from Proverbs that, um, let's see, it says, uh, many are the plans in the mind of a man but the purposes of the Lord will stand. So whatever happens, his yeah. purposes, he's going to lift up the kings and the leaders that he chooses. And we don't want one that he hadn't chosen. So um, that's a great reminder. It reminds me too, that no matter who is chosen, his purposes that we're following, we're going to keep following. Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't adjust our actions as individual Christians or as as uh, leaders in the city, uh, according to the White House, we have our marching orders to 
take the good news of the kingdom into every area of life, including good news to the poor and freedom to the captive. Pastor Rufus, uh, you uh, you have been a real champion of the gospel in word and deed uh, in Houston uh, years before coming here and especially in Memphis you have you have uh, called uh, a lot of uh, a lot of us riffraff together of various denominations and churches around the city and you've you've united us behind a common principle for addressing the needs in our city you could speak what, what led you to, to start MCPN? Hmm. Well, thank you, Pastor George and uh, <clears throat> Commissioner Morrison for uh, engaging in this timely conversation. Uh, quite frankly, um, I have always seen, and I know I'm not alone, that um, the entrenched problems in our society, what we call social ills, uh, are much greater than politics. And so um, uh, the church has uh, at times been uh, undertapped, underutilized uh, with respect to its influence and power uh, that we have through the gospel and through loving each other, uh, as Commissioner Morris uh, talked about, loving God first and then loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so um, this was just an opportunity around 2016 uh, <clears throat> when um, the bridge, I-40, was closed down as a result of um, national protests uh, with respect to what some would call over-policing um, and the uh, killing of unarmed Black men and, and uh, some women. And so um, this was just an effort to gather clergy from uh, different ethnic backgrounds and denominational backgrounds um, to pray together and to have candid conversations together so that we could build trust together and then leverage our collective influence uh, together to solve some of the entrenched problems. And uh, one thing I, one of the many things I love about this fellowship <laughs> is that we do get together. We, we, uh, lately it's been challenging. We have to do so much more virtually, but, uh, we don't just get together and, uh, eat and talk and have a good time, but we do something. And mm. what, what, what are the, how would you characterize what we're focused on right now? Certainly. Um, two primary, um, Objectives for Memphis Christian Pastors Network is one, uh, to cultivate empathic relationships across ethnic and denominational lines. And that is to get away from our echo chambers and always conversing with people who look like us, think like us, vote like us, uh, but who have a common ground, common grace principle of the gospel. Um, and the second objective would be uh, closing the economic equity gap. That is um, how we could address systemic poverty uh, that has been uh, entrenched here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, there are a lot of ways we could have attacked that. 
uh, with education, family structure, criminal justice, et cetera. But a lot of people are working in, in uh, that space. So we decided um, that we would put our energies around raising awareness of career technology education, uh, as well as um, uh, trying to get uh, much many of our opportunity youth, 16 to 24, uh, some go as high as 29, to know that there are livable wage jobs that are available and to um, help them overcome some of the barriers of ignorance that which they didn't know existed and the barriers of intimidation. And uh, those are some of the things that uh, uh, hurdles that they would have to jump through by uh, using our pastoral um, connections and relational capital to hold their hands to uh, help them through the process, job readiness, job retention, uh, so forth and so on. So that's what we decided to do. But we realized we couldn't do it, uh, work well together because we didn't know each other. And because we didn't know each other, we didn't trust each other. So until we uh, got to know each other better, uh, we were not able to collaborate effectively together. So uh, people listening to us, they say, I want to, I'd like to be a part of that. Uh, avenues to participation uh, coming to the top of my mind would be uh, somebody could just be a mentor. Somebody could be a shepherd, an encourager to an individual youth who is needing a job Mm -hmm. and connecting them to somebody who is looking to fill a place. But there's, there's this, this relational gap uh, in our city isn't there for, young men and women who who need to be tutored not only in job skills but in in life skills and and helping them to be successful in obtaining a job and keeping a job any other man comments on that and i we know as jesus followers that the ultimate issue is hopelessness uh it's not joblessness it's hopelessness uh and the gospel answers that but on a practical level um, there are so many uh, opportunities that are available that many of the underemployed or chronically unemployed um, persons in our community don't know about. That's what we call the ignorance problem. They just don't know what exists. But then there's the other problem um, is the intimidation problem. And that's the process uh, because they don't um, really have the confidence uh, to be able to navigate some of the barriers, uh, whether it's enrolling in school uh, or whether it's um, uh, being able to interview well and particularly to talk about their own um, um, checkered background with respect to long periods of unemployment, maybe even um, being in the criminal justice system and so forth. So, um, yes, it is important for us to help them use our relational capital to help them uh, navigate this terrain. If somebody said, uh, I want to take the next step, Pastor Rufus, what can I do as a, as a layman uh, in the church? What can I do to help bridge this economic gap, help these young people, these opportunity youth who need a job? What, what, what's a, what would be a, a next good step? 
I think you mentioned it. Uh, it would be what we basically call mentorship, um, and that is to find an organization or a church uh, that um, knows uh, opportunity youth, groups of opportunity youth, and uh, to find out how you can participate in uh, coming along their side and using uh, your confidence and your human and intellectual capital uh, to sort of hold their hand through the process. There's nothing more important than those one-on-one -on -one relationships. And it may be that um, if you're not quite comfortable uh, with those direct relationships right now, uh, getting with someone who you know has been involved and entrenched uh, and um, have a listening ear and an open heart uh, to them, and then they can help guide you to the next level. So talk to your pastor. Yes. Talk to, uh, check out our website, MCPN website. Make your, if you have jobs that you need filled, let us know. We can contact a, a pastor uh, who is, uh, who is uh, in touch with these opportunity youth and we can bridge that gap. Correct. I think one of the things that we are becoming more adept at, we're not perfect at it, is if you are an employer or in management and know of jobs, uh, what we have tried to become is sort of a clearinghouse where we will uh, send candidates that we know um, have been trained and who are, as best we can uh, discern, are ready to work. And so it's not just bringing in uh, any Tom, Dick, or Harry. Uh, it is having those persons connected uh, and accountable uh, and, and going through training themselves uh, so MCPN and other organizations can help uh, in terms of networking and bringing uh, candidates, at least who have a willingness and a desire to really work and help teaching. I'm going to ask you one more question that uh, just an inspiring example. And Brandon, I'm going to ask you what next best steps for somebody who wants to be involved would be as well. And, and where I'm going with all of this is after the election, there is still a lot to do and a lot of opportunity to do. And it doesn't depend on national politics. It's yes, it's our local initiatives. Amen. But uh, Rufus, share with us the, the wonderful story of um, <clears throat> of the call center that uh, St. Jude uh, developed with Lemoyne Owen students. <laughs> yes. Um, of course, I'm relaying a story um, that, that I heard, uh, obviously, from uh, uh, top St. Jude uh, personnel. And it is an example of a uh, corporate partner uh, who really wants to uh, help um, bridge the gap, bridge the economic gap, and how they um, took steps to do that. As we know, St. Jude were renowned. Um, <clears throat> the call centers they have, obviously, are for people um, to come together and make thank you calls uh, to their um, millions of donors. And um, they have certain call centers uh, throughout the country. And being located in Memphis, uh, obviously, they have call centers. One they uh, set up at University of Memphis and one at Lamont Owen. What they discovered um, 
is that uh, at Lemoyne Owing, um, <clears throat> these students needed additional training. Uh, so rather than pull out, um, they took it upon themselves to fund the additional training, spend the extra time, uh, and for those students that were teachable, uh, relaunch the call center. And uh, to their pleasant surprise, uh, that call center has become even more productive uh, than many call centers, uh, including the one at the University of Memphis. It's an example of uh, their corporate policy that's driven um, by uh, justice, I believe, and compassion. Um, they also, of course, have, uh, were probably one of the first uh, to adopt the livable wage uh, concept at $15 an hour uh, because they recognize uh, that helps poor people out of, out of poverty. And so that, that's one example of how a corporate partner uh, can really be instrumental in helping uh, by spending extra time and capital uh, on the short term for much longer term gain. So some people are uh, are saying today, my candidate didn't win. All hope is lost. There's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Other people are saying my candidate won. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> uh, he's going to do it all. And it. Uh, yeah. I think we're both we're all saying there's going to be a lot to do no matter who wins and uh, or loses. <laughs> And somebody out there, everybody needs to get involved in taking the gospel to their neighbor in word, sharing their faith, leading people to Christ and putting feet to their faith. What would you say to a person who says, I, I, what, what can I do? What's the next step? I, I think regardless of which side uh, wins, we all can uh, be praying for revival mm. and for uh for the whole community and for civility um after with with whatever the outcome is um uh that would be my first thoughts and then again to continue to be bold and courageous um uh, but with humility and um a list and listening uh Going back to, I, I love the com the conversation around workforce development because it's a common ground um, area. I believe that everyone mm -hmm. want everyone should want a good job because uh, the Bible encourages meaningful work and um, and so uh, I think and I I saw firsthand um, we had a workforce event with FedEx, who is also a good corporate partner for this city, obviously. Um, and they've, they've worked out some of the transportation issues recently to get people to the world hub for $18 an hour jobs. And, um, yeah. but what I saw, uh, Rufus, to your point about, um, I think a lot of people are, intimidated maybe that have been out of work or uh, need to see that that there's hope in the job that there's a way to move upward in the job and mm -hmm. um, or whatever it is and um, I saw a couple of friends from second press actually two or three that were involved as mentors and and when they took the step to help someone that maybe mm -hmm. um, needed it 
the person was much more likely to make it through the process. Um, so I do think there's there is a need for some of that. Um, just walking alongside people. Excellent. I remember, uh, Rufus, I heard a sermon you preached in 2016. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to close with a conversation you shared in that that sermon with a little boy. Mm. But uh, you you said then that you um, you had had the same essentially the same conversation. You heard the same thing from people for the last 12 years either all hope is lost or our future is bright relative to the election. Now we both can say we've heard the same thing for 16 years. Yes. <laughs> that either all hope is lost or the future is, the future is bright. And uh, uh, the fact is that I think we would all agree that, that um, while it's a very, very important it's it's a very important responsibility, obviously a very significant role, President of the United States. But uh, as a friend of mine, a, a sheriff friend used to say, um, politics is is basically local, mm-hmm. and we have to focus on what needs to be done here in front of us. Yeah. So I I remember after one uh, <clears throat> one one election this fellow's candidate lost i can't remember if it was a democrat or republican actually but all hope was lost and and he said he said i guess i guess the only thing i can do now for the next four years all i can do is is share my faith (laughs) i said that's a a terrible thing to be reduced to just that um but uh my goodness that that is the the pressing need is that we, nobody who, no matter who is in charge even if if a tyrant is in charge even if a if a dictator is in charge yeah christians have always been called to keep sharing the gospel <laughs> and transformed lives mm. that's what changes cultures Amen. and what i hear both of you saying is find somebody to serve yeah. find somebody's life to encourage and if you don't know if you can't find somebody ask your pastor ask your your uh your commissioner ask uh, ask uh, any number of people who are involved in the city they have they have somebody that uh, needs mentoring needs encouragement yes. needs to know christ yes. rufus uh uh well i don't want to cut off here but brandon anything else to to add um, no, that, I've enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you for having it. And thank you for your leadership in our, Absolutely. in our city. And, uh, the example you are of, um, of true civility. Mm. And, uh, as I've, I've, as I've repeated around here from a man named a professor named John Inazu, civility is humility patience with other people and and tolerance not to the not compromising your faith but but just insisting on loving people regardless of their of their view and finding some aspect of the public good that you could do together mm-hmm. rufus i i uh i love the story you told at the beginning of your sermon in 2016 
about a little boy you were mentoring. I think it would be a great word for us here at the conclusion of our program. Excellent. Before I do that, can I uh, just make a statement with respect to, um, I've been reminding our, our church through this season uh, that the first century Jesus followers were keenly aware of Jesus's teaching that my kingdom is not of this world. And they did not have a vote in, as you said, this um, uh, in the Roman um, dictatorship. Um, they didn't live in a democratic republic like we do with freedom and uh, with a capitalist economic system to fuel it. Um, they had no say. And secondly, they were in the minority. Um, but as I reminded our people, yet they had a disproportionate impact and influence on their culture, beginning in their city, because they understood what real righteousness was, as uh, Commissioner Morrison said. And that is, um, that righteousness has to do with justice and compassion uh, from God's point of view, his standards, not ours. And when we look at that, there's a lot of common ground and common grace that Jesus followers can, can find. They understood that instinctively, and it is what dictated what they did. And as a result, even though they didn't have the freedoms we had uh, and they were in the minority, uh, their influence was disproportionate. And that's very convicting to me. <clears throat> and I think it's an indictment for us who do have freedom, who do live in a democratic um, uh, republic, but who have put too much hope in the vote and not enough hope in gospel solutions. I'm not trying to be uh, hyper-spiritual, but that is the common thing, the gospel solution uh, through righteousness from God's point of view, justice and compassion uh, that transcends all election cycles. And so to tell the story that uh, you've alluded to, George. In 2016, I, I was a team reader um, and participating in Team Read, where we went into schools, uh, critical care schools, for an hour. Um, and I went on a on a um, uh, a Wednesday uh, from one to two p.m. And there were two students that you met with to help teach them um, 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 words. Uh, that are critical for their their reading. And uh, I had a student from 1.30 to 2 and a student from 1 to 1.30. And during um, one of those 30-minute sessions, one of the students came in. Uh, we exchanged our pleasantries, of course. And, um, and he looked at me um, and quietly, um, he put his face near mine and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Rufus, Donald Trump is the president. That's the worst thing that could happen. And um, I looked at him and I took his hand, my hands and cupped his face as well. And I said, no, that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is if God is not in control, but he is. And so everything is going to be all right. I said, we need to pray for the president. Okay. And he said, okay. And 
I think that little boy is in the second grade. There was no way he knew other than what he had been taught that this is the worst possible thing that could happen for the country. And it really wasn't. And so I think as Jesus followers, uh, we just have to remind each other um, that as long as he is sitting at the circle of the universe with all power of heaven and earth in his hand, which, as you said, if he tarries and allows us to live, when this is aired, he will still be sitting on the throne. Then we have opportunity with the gospel to change minds and hearts uh, in our surroundings. Now, I'm not saying that politics is not important. I'm just saying the gospel is indispensable. Beautiful. Amen. And, uh, no, po- and politics is important and, uh, and, and, uh, and a place where Christians can exert some significant shalom bringing influence. And Brandon, we thank you for doing that. And I would ask if you would please close us in prayer, praying for us today, praying for our nation, praying for our city. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this time with Pastor George and Pastor Rufus and the words of encouragement um, they've given to me and to all of us, Father, as we remember that um, you are will be on your throne, whatever the outcome of the election, and that your purposes, Lord, will stand, whether this pandemic continues or if we find a vaccine or not, and whoever's in the presidency, Lord, that you, Father, are still on the throne. And we ask you to um, enable us each to be lights to our communities, to our families, to our friends, and to point them to you, Father, who are our hope in this world. Enable us uh, to be your civil and obedient servants in Jesus' name. Please, Master. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Bless you, sister and brother. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor George. Thank you, Commissioner Morris. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.